1: All right, so this person, uh, born in the 1800s and is the founder of Hershey Chocolate Company, located in Hershey, Pennsylvania, the name of my beautiful puppy. (laughs) Now, it was early on in life, this is pretty significant, early on in life while working on the family's farm that he learned the values of persistence and hard work. All right, lock that one away. So... I'll just give you a little bit about a bit about his life. He left school after just two and a half years, instead opting to become an apprentice. Um, one day he dropped his hat in acc- uh, in, on accident into one of the machines, and then he was fired. He was just fourteen years old. So then he decided to start his own business, uh, opening a candy store. That business failed. He moved around from New Orleans to Chicago, continued moving around until he settled in New York City where he started working for a candy and restaurant chain. After a few years on the job, he quit. So he's probably not even into his 20s yet and decided to sell candies on the street but was also unsuccessful at that also. How can you be unsuccessful at selling lollies? Like... (laughs) For those of us who grew up in Sunday school, joy is a flag flown high and candies are thrown. How could you be unsuccessful at selling candies? But okay, Milton Hershey was. All right, so disheartened by failure, he moved back to the farm where he grew up, experimenting with chocolates. It was a dairy farm, by the way. Experimenting with chocolates and candies and um, then learnt to make chocolates from condensed milk... Finally, at 36 years old, he established a caramel company which he eventually sold for $1 million after seven years. Then he started the Hershey Chocolate Company and that is the yummy chocolate that we have all come to know and love today. All right, the king, Elvis. Now, we often celebrate his fame and, you know, if you Google, uh, um, you know, there's lots of images of how teenagers flocked to him and how, you know, he changed music and rock and roll forever. But how many of us actually know about the failures that he did first? Okay, so when he was 13 years old, his family moved to Memphis from their home in Mississippi. Mississippi. They were very poor. At 18 years old, he recorded a demo disc at Sun Records. Nothing came of it. One year later, back to Sun Records to record another demo, which also failed. That same year, he failed an audition to become a part of the vocalist quartet called the Song Fellows. And when asked by his father what happened, he said, they told me I couldn't sing. I R- know, oh, even like Tully's like... Wait what? He was so frustrated that he decided to take up a job as a truck driver, and then through a friend, met another friend who was part of a band who said, "We need a vocalist." But it wasn't for months and months that um, he finally kind of just randomly launched into, "That's all right." And, you know, launched him into fame. Another well-known person who the world reveres, Albert Einstein. Now, we all know him as one of the most brilliant minds to have ever lived. But he grew up thinking he was a failure. At four years old, he he only just started speaking. So if that was today, we have got more knowledge about how the brain works and about, you know, how different things impact our development. But back then, you can't speak, you're a failure, you're going to be nothing. At the age of 16, he failed to pass the exam to enter into the Swiss Federal Polytechnic School in Zurich. And while he did graduate from university, he struggled and nearly dropped out, doing very poorly... So poorly that his own father considered his son to be a failure. Is that the Einstein that we know, that we see in the history books? He took a job at a patent office evaluating patent applications. The same mind who came up with the theory of relativity that helped us reach deeper understandings about how the universe works, developing several fundamental core laws governing physics, and he then won, went on to win the Nobel Prize in 1921. Have you ever felt like you've had a destiny or promise ma- promises made in your youth that didn't pan out? I'd ask for a show of hands, but I think you'll... Stunned silence is very reassuring. Do you remember all the wild things you did as a kid? Ask any kid what they want to be when they grow up. And the answers are almost always full of zeal and often very non-practical. Who was that kid? I remember when my son David, I don't know, maybe four years old. It's his birthday this week. He reaches double digits. (laughs) Miracle baby. Anyway, this miracle baby at four years old... It, you know it was one of those afternoons like wow he's really playing really nicely in his room i wonder what he's doing maybe he's building lego or doing something anyway he comes down the stairs bawling his eyes out like distraught i'm talking <laughs> like like distraught we as like you know very good parents what what happened no Yes, we did. We were very interested. What, What's going on? Is there a spider in your room? Is there? What happened? Was it one of those big sisters? <laughs> Distraught. And he says, <laughs> I can't climb the walls like Spider-Man can. <laughs> <laughs> and like good parents went... <laughs> Sorry, what? (laughs) I can't climb the walls. I've been trying for ages and ages and ages. And I was on my bed and I was trying to stick to the wall and I couldn't stick to the wall. And it took us a long time to console this poor child who had it in his head. Spider-Man's my hero. I am, in fact, people probably think that I'm Spider-Man because I love Spider-Man so much. So clearly I'm Spider-Man. Why can't I stick on walls? Who wanted to be an astronaut? You know, save the world, world peace, all of that sort of thing. Now come forward from that little four year old kid that you were and what you wanted to be when you grew up, however impractical that was. (laughs) I've got another child. I wasn't gonna share it, but she was looking straight at me. In her heart of hearts, she was going to be a mermaid. No matter what, it will happen. And I said, you know what, darling, if you if you work hard and you, you could be a mermaid. Like at Movie World or somewhere. But completely, you know, I'm not one to crush my kids' dreams. <laughs> that one I kind of had to... Just wait a second, honey. You know, crushing it now, but you're old enough to go along with it sorry are you okay all right okay go for a swim later (gasps) you know but now think forward to this moment sitting in these chairs with all our knowledge and all our wisdom and all our life experience how much of those answers changed what do you want to be when you grow up have you settled into life how about your christian walk or journey how about your own faith journey Where are you on that timeline? What kind of crazy things did you promise God in your early days? Have you seen any of them through? There are many of these tales recorded in the Bible. (laughs) Just think about that, shall we? Can you imagine if that was you? You're reading the Bible and you're like, oh man, I would never do that. And it's recorded in the Bible. Your life is recorded in the Bible, your day-to-day life. You're just going about like you've never seen miracles. You've never talked to God before. And yet their life stories are in the Bible. Imagine if that was you. So I think we need to like go and give some of these guys a big hug when we get to heaven, right? Just say, it's okay, we got you. You helped us. Here's one such tale. Let's go to Genesis 35. Verse 1 to 5, Jacob returns to Bethel. Then God said to Jacob, go up up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So uh, So Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, get rid of your foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears and Jacob buried them under the yoke at Shechem. Then they set out and the terror of God fell on the town all around them so that no one pursued them. Now, that sounds like, oh, then God said to Jacob, I love that in the Bible, then God said, then this happened, then this happened, and we're reading it going, oh, okay, wow. But what we fail to realise is that there was 30 years between this then in verse thirty-five in chapter 35 and what happened previously. You see... When God is talking about the vow, when he's talking about the vow that Jacob made 30 years earlier, this is what he said, as a godly man should. This is in Genesis verse twenty-eight, uh, chapter 28. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will be my God. Who's prayed that? And this altar that I have set up will become a place for worshipping God and I will present a tenth of everything he gives me. If you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this, please God, then I will do blur seems to be in no rush to fulfill it because there was 30 years between the time that he made that vow and he said oh my goodness come on guys we got to go right now take all your jewelry clean your clothes let's go grabs the jewelry buries them under a tree 30 years what was he doing in that time in his youth and he's like god if you do all these things then i will do this and he settled down in shechem And he bought land there. So I'm guessing that Bethel was kind of like way back in the distance. Didn't have any reminders on his phone to say, oh, you've got memories popping up. Oh, that's right, that vow. Mm. As human beings, we are quick to forget vows when God has fulfilled his side of that bargain. We make resolutions in time of trouble and they're soon forgotten. God, I'll do anything if you just see me through this trial. Improve or remove. I mean, we've prayed that as well. We are human beings. Just a side note, guys, we bleed red blood too. There's no special sparkly blood, you know, when I go in the sunlight, whatever. No, no, no. We're just real people, human beings, okay? There's no pedestal here. (laughs) Keeping it real. We pray and we think about God more in those times. Oh, God. You know, the praying and panicking and crying in your car before you go into that workplace. Oh, they all hate me. They hate me. I'm going to get in so much trouble because I'm like one second late. You know, God, if you will just do this, then I will shout your name from the rooftops. If you just do this for me, I will spend my whole life over in wherever well, we can't go now because the world is closed. But, you know, you're hearing me, right? We are often more resolved to make sacrifices in the beginning of our young, zealous Christian lives. And then afterwards, like, oh, you know what? I've got some stuff to do. I'll go and do that first. You know, or it's like when, when you first get married in sickness and in health. Of course, you're at the prime of your health then for better or for worse, and it's always better, for richer, for poorer. I will go anywhere with you. Come what may. You're standing at the altar. You're pretty. You're beautiful. And all these people are bearing witness. Fast forward, 7, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, whatever. Oh, well, I didn't mean that in sickness meant that he'd be on an ICU bed after four surgeries puking his guts out on the floor. I didn't think you meant that. Oh wait, um, oh, I didn't think you meant for better or for worse, meant like this. I didn't think that the more I got to know this person, that there would be some things that really, really ticked me off. Because those things are all lovely. <laughs> You know, when 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 three P and I were first, you know, you know, courting and and all of that, I loved the spontaneity. Okay, just turn up and say, All right, I've asked your parents permission and um we're gonna go to the Gold Coast or whatever. And I go, Oh, okay, well, um one lane each way, by the way, guys, no mobile phones. <laughs> just saying. Right, oh, okay, cool. let let's go. I've got my bag, let's go. Now that same spontaneity was still in my husband, but then fast forward a few years, I've got babies, I've got things to do. I've got washing. that if I just wait for that washing and then put on another load, and then all of my timing will work out. I can't be as spontaneous. The very thing, perhaps that is your worst, <laughs> you know, for better or for worse. And we say, I didn't think it meant this. I like this quote. And it's from McLaren's Expositions. Many a brilliant morning is followed by a cloudy day. Even, I, I mean, I'm still very um, intrigued and by all of the 9-11 situation, which was 20 years ago. 20 and every single eyewitness or survivor's report says it was a beautiful cloudless day it was a beautiful day a day filled of filled with promise a day filled like just like any other day there was a big cloud that came that day we love the rush when we put our hands up to help and organise things. I am terrible for this. I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. And then life gets in the way and your whirlwind comes and then you go, oh, now I've got to actually follow through with that. Oh, sorry, I can't make it today, I'm tired. Oh my, do, do you guys have to have dinner tonight? Like, again? We had dinner last night, you know? When you're in this when you're in the grocery store, when you're in Aldi and it's like, oh, I'm gonna make this and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this and oh yes, and I'm gonna get my menu all sorted out. And then I get to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday going, seriously guys, can you just fend for yourselves? Like really? There's cheese, there's eggs, there's bread. Thankfully I have a husband who's like, You can't feed people that all the time. I go, why? why? <laughs> you know, the thrill of the planning. I love planning events. They know me at school. All right, just if you need something done, just ask Tanya. She'll do it because she'll jump in hands, feet and everything and there's Pinterest boards and there's mood boards and there's themes and there's this, that and the other thing. And, you know, my kids know, mum, I've got this idea for like this one I want to do for my birthday. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, Pinterest, Pinterest, Pinterest. You know, and then I'm, I've researched and I've jumped in it so much that I get to the actual event and I don't know, do I have event remorse? I don't know. I go, oh, okay, well, it's done now. Uh, all right, let's start planning the next thing. So I love the planning. But guess what? God did not forget the word... That Jacob vowed to him. And this time, it was time for Jacob to hear the word. So I've got three words, not huh, because I teach phonetics. Three words. (laughs) Hear the word, heed the word. And then that word will be your hedge of protection. So let's unpack this a little bit. God said to Jacob, after 30 years, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother. Now, this wasn't just a, oh, I'm just in my prayer closet and, you know, I'm listening to God. No, if you go just before that... There were some serious things going on in Jacob's life. His sons had just murdered, plundered, taken women and children captive because their sister had been violated. Rather than just go, you know what, Dad, we need some wisdom here, they went, let's get them. So I think it's safe to say that Jacob's a little bit stressed now. In fact, he says this and it's recorded. So that means that somebody was nearby recording with their phone or the angels wrote it down. Somebody wrote this down. He says to his sons, You have ruined me. You have made me a stink among all the people of this land. The Canaanites and the Perizzites will join forces and they will crush us. I will be ruined and my entire household wiped out. A tad stressed. This is when we listen to God. Ah, now God's like, now's the time to speak. He's unsettled. The waters are being stirred. It's time to move. So this is now the time to heed the word. So he's stopped. His life was turned upside down. He is sure that his family, his family name, are going to be wiped out. But he heeds the word of God. And he says to his household, to all who were with him, get rid of your foreign gods that you have with you. Purify yourselves. Change your clothes. Then let's go up to Bethel where I will build an altar. So they gave Jacob all of the foreign gods and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem this time Jacob heeded God's word and moved quickly I would tend to think he's probably realized oh my goodness I've just wasted 30 years when did I make that last thing my life got in the way the whirlwind got in the way but God is a God of second chances Jacob commanded his household to prepare, not only for the journey, but also for their religious purposes, for their faith, what happens next. He knew that his was a wild and godless household who cherished their idols. They lived in the midst of it. And he also knew that if he went up to Bethel, then their idolatry had to be given up. They needed to be clean and change their garments. But what good are clean clothes without a clean heart? You see, you can go home and you can be in the, you know, the midst of your day and you've got all the filth and the muck or whatever on your clothes. Is it good enough to change your clothes or do you go and clean yourself first? What good are clean clothes without a clean heart? And just as Jacob buried their idols, that's a very significant thing to do. We need to do that with the sin in our lives. We need to acknowledge it we need to own up to it. Sadly, this is not something that is taught to our children from a young age. We need to acknowledge that, we, that something has been done. Own up to it, repent and bury it. You see, when, when we repent and we turn away, God's got like, oh, good, good. Okay, because I, I only have love for you, so I'm going to chuck that you know, into the deepest, deepest, as far as the east is from the west. Like, I've forgotten about it. But somehow we like to stick, we we hang on to it. No, bury it. Bury it deep. Under the tree, bury it. God's forgotten about it, so should you. He removed himself and those he was responsible for from Shechem to Bethel. It was about surrender. It was about purity. Okay, I've got this chance. I've had like, man, my sons really need to be in jail right now. But you know what? I'm going to take them. I'm going to speak into their lives. And I'm going to turn this family tree around. Well, you can't turn a tree around. But you hear what I'm saying? You know, he realized that he had to acknowledge, oh my goodness, I made a vow to God. I've then put myself in the midst of all these, you know, like people who don't love God, and now my family is suffering for it. He was a man and he was like, I am going to do something with this. I'm going to stand up for God. So what does that mean for us in the natural here in 2021? Because that's a nice Bible story and we go, oh, that's a nice Bible story. The key is ask God. To remind you, we sing about that, we sing, I remind myself of all that you've done. I remind myself of things that I've spoken in the quiet. You may not have even spoken it in the quiet, you may have just thought it. It means put yourself in motion. It can be hard to start again. 30 years, guys. He's got a family, he's got wealth, he's got, you know, everything. 30 years but he had to start again just do one thing make your bed walk in a different direction that day just do one thing and then the next thing happens and then the next thing happens and then you get a little bit more you know like chutzpah to do something next next minute the world has changed I love at the end of this whole thing that God never lost sight of Jacob. And there needed to be some stuff. Yes, 30 years. You know what? You don't have to wait another 30 years. You can start tomorrow. You can start today. You can start in the next five seconds. Let's acknowledge things that we have said. Be honest, it's scary. But you know what? If it wasn't scary, then it wouldn't be big and it wouldn't be from God. I'm not saying God is scary. What I'm saying is if you are comfortable and living in comfort, oh, okay, I'm just going to speak to these Christians over here about God. Yep, I'm talking to people about God. No, God's calling you to the dark places. You can go there because God's with you. The word is your hedge of protection. So we hear the word. We heed the word. And the word becomes our hedge of protection. Then they set out and the terror of God fell on all the towns around them so that no one pursued them. No one pursued them. These towns have just been turned upside down and yet nobody pursued them. If God is for us, who can be against us? Huh? Someone wrote a song about that in the 90s. We won't, like, we won't succumb you to that. But no one pursued them. This is not the first time. The Israelites had the angel lead them out of Egypt. And then when he led them, he went round the back not to abandon them but to stand between them and Pharaoh's pursuit. David, when he stood before Goliath, this tiny little kid standing up to this giant, declared his devotion to God so that no harm came to him. There's a story, um, I probably won't say it as well, but, you know, Drug Rehabilitation Centre in Malaysia. Three piece there, sharing some stuff. This guy, like, shoots towards him. And he just goes like this, stop in Jesus' name. And he caught him on the chin, like, like no force, right? Am I, t- am I sharing the story right? Like stopped midair. Hear the word, heed the word, and then the word will become your hedge of protection. There's no ifs, it will become that. And I'll finish with this. Deuteronomy 28. If you listen obediently to the voice of God, hear the word, and heartily obey all his commandments, heed the word. God, your God, will place you on high above all the nations of the world. Hedge of protection. There are like... God's blessing in the city you'll have blessing in the country blessing on your children the crops of your land livestock so your businesses your workplaces blessing in your homes blessing in your pantries blessings as you come in and go out God will defeat your enemies who attack you they'll come at you on one road and run on seven God will order a blessing on your barns and workplaces he will form you as a people holy to him All the peoples on the earth will see you living under the name of God and hold you in respectful awe. Yeah, I seal that over these people today. God will lavish you with good things. Children from your womb, offspring from your animals. Like the blessings go on and on. You don't need to do anything except hear the word, heed the word, and then that word will be your hedge of protection. There are curses that happen if you don't do that, but I tell you, there's a lot more curses than blessings. So I think I know which side I want to be on. (laughs) It's a pretty good bet. Now you're here today because you've already heard his voice, or you're starting to hear things, you know, deep inside and you want to find out more about that. We can help you with that. As I said, we we bleed red blood too. Okay? We are just human beings who God said, <laughs> I've got a word for you guys, now you need to heed it. But I tell you, that hedge of protection is a wonderful place to be. Can I invite you all to stand? God, we thank you that it doesn't matter how much we vow to you, how much we say to you, yes, yes, I'll do that. And you're such a gentleman. You wait until the time's right. You watch us. You watch over us. We thank you that you even care so much about us to give us your word and that you speak it and it's a word in season. God, I pray that you give us the, um, the grace and the energy and the foresight to use these words, the things that you've given to us in your word so that we can actually do something about it, so that we can have the courage and the confidence to say, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And Lord, I speak a hedge of protection around everybody that's here today and over this church and over this city. God, this city that, um, you know, there's an enemy who wants to take it, but, you know, we're going to heed what you say to us. And we're going to speak that out over a city.
0: Thank you, God. Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.